Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finkson. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll be there in just a minute, well, in a few minutes. <laughs> you do realize that you were here this morning because somebody told you about Jesus Christ. Somebody. That process has been taking place since God established a people on the earth. What I mean by that process is that it is passed from generation to generation. Psalm 78, 4 through 7 in the message says this. We're not keeping this to ourselves. We're passing it along to the next generation. God's fame and fortune, the marvelous things He's done. He planted a witness in Jacob and He set His word firmly in Israel. And then he commanded our parents to teach it to their children so the next generation would know and all generations to come know the truth and tell the story so their children can trust in God, never forget the works of God, and keep his commands to the letter. Jesus, God in the flesh, come to earth. He did the same thing in Matthew four nineteen, And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that method has not changed. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1 at the end of verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The idea is that if God has entrusted the truth to us, it's not to make us feel good and then keep it to ourselves. It's really not just about us. He gives it to us so that we can pass it down And pass it on to others. The good news of Jesus Christ. His life, His power, His presence, His hope, His promises. Is to be passed down, entrusted, deposited in others. That's how God works and that's how He works in you. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago. But I want to share it with you again. And I want want you to see it as well as to hear it. Losing the gospel doesn't happen all at once. It's not like the enemy can do anything about it. It's more like a four-generation process. The gospel is accepted. The gospel is assumed. The gospel becomes confused. And then the gospel is lost. Now, you do realize the gospel is not ever lost in the sense that you can't find it. The, the sense is it loses the value in the hearts and lives of people. Psalm 78, if we read on from that psalm, while uh, Asaph tells us about we're not keeping this to ourselves, we're passing on the next generation, he continues to tell the story of how Israel lost it. God had done these mighty works and Israel lost it. But it wasn't an overnight process that it's not like the enemy can come in and change everything at once it's he little by little the the generation that accepted it passes it to a generation and here's the problem i think it's our generation we begin to assume everybody knows the gospel we begin to assume and then by assuming everybody knows the gospels there's things that come in that begin to confuse the gospel well, what's real true? Well, you're not really going, and it doesn't, you know, we're smarter than that, all this kind of, And then it gets to where the gospel loses its meaning in the lives of people. Four generations. 
Philip Jensen says, The generation that assumes the gospel is the generation most responsible for the loss of the gospel. The ones who assume it. Growing up in the Bible Belt, it's real easy to assume that this is always going to be this way, that everything is going to be like we've known it in the past. You know, my grandparents and my parents and my children and their children. And I want to tell you, we're living in a generation that it would be really easy for not only for it to be confused, but for it to lose its value. Well, how do we pass it down? You see, I got a gospel from my parents. As a child, I remember my mom, my dad, reading the scripture to me. Well, I was born nine, I mean, I was going to church nine months before I was born. Mama carried me there before I ever knew there was a there. So I was raised in it. I, I understand all of that. But you know, there, that doesn't make you, that's the easiest way to assume it, being raised in it. There has to come a time where you recognize for yourself the need of Jesus Christ. So this morning I want to talk to you about passing it down, passing it down. Second Timothy chapter 2, hopefully you're there, verse 1, reading from the New American Standard. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will also be able to teach, I mean, who will be able to teach others also. Now, 2 Timothy are the last words of the Apostle Paul. He's in prison in Rome. It's not going to get, it's not going to end well. He's not going to get out. He will be martyred. He'll be beheaded by, by Rome. And he's giving instruction to Timothy, whom he calls his son. Philippians says that Timothy, there's no one after the heart of Paul like Timothy. And uh, this letter, Timothy, here's the thing. First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus and Philemon are different from the rest of the New Testament. Because they're not written to a church, they're written to an individual. Paul is writing to his protege. He's writing to his son in the ministry. Not his literal son, but the son of his heart. The son of his ministry. Paul and Barnabas, they go to Lister, kind of get run out of another place. They go to Lister and they live in this house of two women, a grandmother and a mother, who has a young boy in the house. His name is Timothy. And they stay there for a while, then they go back and they come, and then they return on another missionary journey. And this time Timothy's grown up, and now he goes with them, and Timothy begins to travel. And so when Paul's talking about Timothy being his son, he's just not talking about a believer. He's not just talking about another minister. He's talking about someone who's walked with him, talked with him, understood, and he's suffered with him. And now Timothy's in Ephesus. And things are not going well with Timothy. Things in this world are just swirling around. And Timothy is feeling discouraged and feeling disheartened. He's feeling like the world is coming against him. Anybody identify with that? Seems like everybody is saying something different and nobody's really responding. You look, you've got to understand, we, lived in, we live in the Bible Belt where everybody assumes everybody knows what we're talking about. Well, Timothy was in Ephesus where this was a... New. It was a different. It wasn't Judaism. 
And it wasn't paganism, it was Christianity. And now Judaizers had come in and different things, and Timothy is kind of feeling the load of it all. And so this Second Timothy is Paul giving his last will and testament, if you want to say it, to his young son in the ministry, Timothy. And I want us to look at his instruction. Verse 1, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The English Standard Version says, I think says it best, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That word endunamu means to be empowered. Now this is important because it's in the passive tense. Paul is not telling Timothy to be strong. In other words, suck it up, brother. Come on, bud. Get strong. Be strong. And it wasn't a command to be strong. He's saying be strengthened. Be empowered. In other words, Paul, he's not saying, Paul, uh, be strong in your own strength or make yourself strong. He's saying that there's a source of strength or power that comes from the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Be empowered by it. You see, grace is not just unmerited favor. Grace is the empowering presence of God that enables you to be what God already sees you to be. Let me say that again. I was brought up, grace is God's unmerited favor. But I want to tell you something. Grace is the empowering presence of God that enables us to become what God already sees us to be. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power. Same word, dunamu, dunamis. But of power, love, and self-discipline. And then he goes on to say in verse 8, So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Timothy, God didn't give you a spirit of fear and timidity. Be empowered. God's given you a spirit of power and self-discipline. So don't be ashamed. Be empowered. Second point is pass on the message. Look at verse 2 of 2 Timothy 2. The things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The message is important. In fact, it's of most importance. What did Timothy hear Paul teach? Well, we can say, well, he, he taught the gospel. But for so many, that word has lost its meaning. The gospel. We know the word means good news. Well, good news about Jesus Christ. We assume people understand it. How many of you say, well, it's the gospel truth? What's that mean? It means it's the real truth? What's the gospel? What did Paul preach? Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. I want to read it from the Amplified because I want you to see this. Paul, this is Paul writing to the church at Galatia and he says this. For I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel which was proclaimed and made known by me is not man's gospel or human invention according to or patterned after any human standard. For indeed, I did not receive it from man. Nor was I taught it, but it came to me through a direct revelation given by Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So Paul is saying that Jesus revealed to me 
This gospel. He goes on to say in Galatians that he didn't immediately go and confer with the apostles. In fact, it was three years later that he goes and confers with Peter. And then he shares with Timothy. And Timothy and and Paul shares with others. In other words, he finds out that this gospel is really no different from what the apostles are teaching. And yet, it's not something that man taught him. I want you to understand that the gospel that Paul preached wasn't of human invention. It was by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know Paul's story. He He was a Jew of Jews, Hebrew of Hebrews, and he was persecuting the church, trained at the feet of Gamaliel, and then... He meets Jesus on the Damascus Road. A light shines, knocks him off his, I say, his high horse. He finds himself blind. He he, he struggles. He hears the Lord Jesus himself speak to him. And he goes and he waits. And then Ananias goes to him, a prophet, to tell him what God has planned. And then he goes over into Arabia. He He didn't consult with flesh and blood, he says. And Jesus reveals the good news, the finished work, the complete story, the completed story of what happened on the cross and in the resurrection. You've got to understand this gospel that, that Timothy is told, what you've heard of me, I want you to share it. Well, what's the gospel? What's that gospel? Well, let me tell you. It's found in Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. But if you want to look at it, kind of surmised. Because Timothy's written to a person. It wasn't written to share the gospel. It was written to a person, given instruction of how to pass it down. So what's this gospel? Timothy, 2 Timothy verse, chapter 1, verse 9. It's talking about... The gospel of Jesus Christ who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifest or revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Excuse me. Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. Christ came. Jesus, the Son of God, lived the life God intended all to live. Died the death no man could die for sin. And brought immortality or eternal life as a blazing reality by conquering death for anyone and for all who would believe. That's the gospel. The way's been made. For man to be right with God, sin can't keep you away from him any longer. The price has been paid. Death has been conquered. The old man is dead. The new man has come. Look at verse 13 of 2 Timothy 1. I want to read it from the Amplified. Hold fast and follow the pattern of wholesome and sound teaching which you've heard from me. There he goes saying it again. Hold fast. Retain the pattern of sound teaching. In all the faith and love which are 
for us in Christ Jesus. Guard and keep with greatest care the precious and excellently adapted truth which has been entrusted to you by the help of the Holy Spirit who makes His home in us. And I want you to note the two words, hold fast and guard. Hold fast the pattern, the standard of sound teaching, and guard the treasure which, been, which has been entrusted or deposited in you. In other words, don't play fancy and free with the gospel. Yeah, you assume everybody knows it. Not everybody knows it. Hold fast to it. Guard it. The word guard here is to keep it under careful care. Let me see if I can help you. If you had $2 in your pocket, it wouldn't bother you to walk down the street of any major city, would you? I mean, you got It's yours. You got it. If you had $100,000 in your pocket, you'd walk a little bit different on the streets, wouldn't you? Because you've got something that can be lost. I mean, who's going to... It's two bucks, you know. But a hundred thousand bucks? First of all, your, how many pockets would it take? Does it show? It would be amazing to see how we kept life. How we looked at things when we are loaded <laughs> when you're loaded you've got a treasure that's the that's the thing that Paul is trying to get across to Timothy Timothy you got a treasure in the message you got a treasure let me tell you something the greatest thing that you can ever possess is the understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ forgiveness rebirth, settled future, sealed by the Holy Spirit. All of those truths are based on the foundational truth of the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's good news. It's not by works of righteousness which we do, but by His grace He saved us. Grace is not something of the past. It's His empowering presence here, present now, to save me, not just from myself or my sin, but to save me and make me a participant in what He's up to. I'm a part of God's work in this generation. Guard the message. It's a treasure that's been deposited in you to be shared with the world. Not frivolously thrown about, but deposited in others like a seed that will bring forth a harvest. 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, it, it says in verse 2, it says, Entrust these, these words, entrust this message, this message that you're guarding, entrust it, deposit it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's some important words here. Entrust. Paratithomy. Para means beside, and tithomy means to place. In other words, to place beside. Literally, it, it has this meaning to give over to another something of value. It's kind of like an inheritance. You know, it's funny. When my parents passed away, it wasn't the big things. 
that was important to me. A lot of times it was the little things of, that was the treasure to me of the, the value of what they meant to me. Not the value of what they left me, but the value of what they were. And it's like Paul is telling Timothy, what you've got of such great value and trust, set it beside. Give to an, give that which is of value over to others. It conveys the picture of a precious treasure being deposited as a trust into the hands of other people. But it's not just any other people. It says faithful men. Faithful men. Pistos. Reliable. Worthy of trust. Dependable. It doesn't say talented, popular, charismatic, influential. It doesn't even say give it to the leaders. But reliable, trustworthy. Those who will stick with Christ. Those who will stay to the end. Those who will risk everything rather than lose it. Faithful. Reliable. Trustworthy. Who will be able, hikonos, adequate, competent, to teach, didasco, teach, to instruct, to instruct with words, literally. This doesn't mean just simply the impartation of facts. Here's the thing that I've discovered recently, and I say recently in the last few years. It's amazing how easy it is to think if we've told somebody something, they've got it. Well, I told you. You see, this thing is not passing on just information. The idea here is to instruct with words that have the ability to change the will of the hearer. And when you hear Jesus being called teacher, he wasn't an instructor the way we think of instructor. He was one who conveyed a message that changed the hearts of people. The idea could be mold to mold. That involved encouraging and strengthening and all of the things that we would say in communication. But it wasn't just about communicating facts. You see, here's the thing. The Jews had the facts about God. They had the big ten. Ten commandments. What they didn't have. Is knowledge of God. Now listen to me. They had the facts. They had the teachings. They had the instructions. The law. What they didn't have. Was the personal presence. Knowing in the sense of relationship. With their creator. So God sent His Son to show us the Father. Jesus, called teacher, didn't give us the facts about, He lived the reality of who God was. He died the death we couldn't die. He came out of the grave victorious over that which would have held us. And He offers it to us, saying, follow me. I'll give you life. Jesus said, you search the Scriptures and you think they, in them you have life, but they are they which speak of me, that, but you won't come to me that you might have life. The idea is that God wants us to mold. Now, I want to, I want to give you a statement. I don't have it written on the screen or anything, but I want you to listen to it. What you hear, when I say hear, what you hear and receive 
that leads to what you believe. What you hear, what you listen to, with the sense that that listening to it can change you. What you hear becomes what you believe. What you believe determines how you behave. We practice daily what we really believe, regardless of our religious talk. We practice daily what we really believe. And we believe what we believe, whether we understand it or not, because of what we've heard. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the rhema of Christ, of God. So I'm not talking about seminary or I'm not even talking about scholastics. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about sharing life. Get this over. Entrust this to faithful men, reliable, trustworthy men, plural, that will be able to, be competent to, not just teach the facts, but would be able to live the life. Giving away what you've been given. It's talking about sharing life, giving away what you've been given, planting in others what's been planted in you. This can be parents to children, children to parents, teachers to students, students to teachers, leaders to followers, followers to leaders, pastors to people, people to pastors. It's about people who've experienced the life change of the gospel, depositing that gospel in the fertile soil that will bring forth much fruit. Here's what Paul is telling Timothy. Pass it down. Are you passing it down? I want you to stop and think about this. Jesus came. He passed it to 12 plus Paul. Paul passed it to Timothy and Titus. And you can just pull, go, just keep out telling names. Paul passed it. To Timothy. Timothy passes it to faithful men. Faithful men passes it to others. Others passed it to you. Who are you passing it to? That's what Paul is saying. This has been passed down. Who are we passing it down to? Now, let me tell you something. You are passing down something. You're passing down who you are. Where you come from. You're giving away something. You're passing down something. How many of you wished you wouldn't have what your parents had? How many of you have ever swore, I'll never be like that? And how many of you discovered that's exactly what you're like? And you think, oh, no. I look in the mirror and I think, oh, no, I'm my dad. Only he had a little more hair. Connie and I have this running thing. All she has to do is say, that sounds like your dad. That just does it for me. That just, you, you, don't, don't do that. That sounds like your dad. That's a good way to say it to me. I wonder what our girls say. Don't be like your mama. Who are you passing it to? You're going. You're passing down something. Paul's saying, "Pass down the treasure." 
quickly. Let me just end with this because it goes on. Paul, verses 3 through 7, Paul reminds Timothy of the price and the prize of passing it down. And he, and he speaks of a soldier and an athlete and a farmer. It's like Paul is saying to Timothy, you're going to have to have the attitude. Let me I'll say it this way. You're going to have to have the dedication of a soldier. You can't get caught up in things. You're going to have to have the discipline of an athlete. You're going to have to play according to the rules. And you're going to have to have the diligence of a farmer. You've got to keep planting. Regardless of the storms that's coming. You've got to keep planting. There's good soil. There is a harvest. And you're going to be the first to partake of it. It's going to be worth it, Timothy. Timothy, have the dedication of a soldier. The discipline of an athlete. And the diligence of a farmer. For Christ's sake. And for the generations. Later on he calls it for the elect. For those chosen to carry it to the next generation. God has entrusted a treasure within us. I believe God's trusted us at New Covenant with a message. One of the greatest things in my heart is that we protect the gospel. Don't let it get watered down. Don't let it get twisted and tied up in knots of other people's interpretations. Let it be truth. Pay the price for the truth. Christ in you. The hope of glory. That life, that gospel is like a seed that can be deposited in the good soil of relationships around you. They come into your sphere. The people that are coming into your sphere of influence every day. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of Christ. The life is in the seed. It's not up to you. It's all, the only thing you've got to do is know that you've got it and to give it. The results are in God's hands. It will amaze you what God will do with the little thing you said or the little thing you did. Deposit it with clarity and conviction in the lives of those around you. Well, preacher, I don't know how to, I'm, I don't know that much. Let me just ask you, has, has Jesus forgiven you of any sin? Has he changed your life? Has he turned you into a different person than you used to be? Have you learned anything from the Lord that's working in your life? Pass it down. How was your sins forgiven? Oh, you, you confessed and your confession forgave them? How is sins forgiven? It's the gospel. How's your life changed? It's the gospel. How can you, how can life work today in our world today? How can it work? It's the gospel. We've got a treasure to pass. Unless you can't give away what you don't have. You understand? In other words, you can't give away a treasure you don't have in your pocket. Have you received the message? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth to be the Son of Man. He lived the life God intended all men to live so He could die the death no mortal man could die. Payment for sin. He was buried dead, came out alive, never to die. 
He opened the way for all who would come to Him and give their sin-filled life over to Him. He would transform them by the power of His life-giving Spirit and impart to them His very own eternal life. And He Himself would come to be in them all He expected of them. That's good news. The believer becomes a new creation. Old things are gone. Everything is new. Have you experienced Him? If you have, grab a hold. Guard that treasure so you can deposit to others. Warren Wiersbe said, You're a Christian today because somebody cared. Now it's your turn. It's your turn. Jesus, you alive In and through us is the hope for the generations. Make it so. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.